Crystal and Avery were so excited the moment they found out they would be having another baby. Their pregnancy was smooth, almost perfect. But at 32 weeks, things drastically changed and along with it shifted the course of their lives, leading them to view God and grief in a completely new way. Hi, I'm Leilani Langdon, the host of What's Your Story, a place where we journey through the lives of others in order to inspire you, the listener, to know, own, and share your story. So make sure to lean in as you join us on today's journey. Welcome, everybody, (laughs) to What's Your Story, episode two. Crystal Avery, so good to see you guys. Can you hear me? Are we good? Yes, Yes, we are. Happy birthday. birthday. Thank you so much. I'm so excited that I could be here with you guys. I just want to thank you guys first before I have you introduce yourselves um, for being for for taking that step in bravery. I know this is not easy. I know that it comes with uh, some pain. Um, So Crystal and Avery, what's your story? Well, the funny thing is, as you were praying right before we got started, um, I remember that this whole journey started right after I asked God for more faith. Wow. You remember that? Like, um, yeah, do you remember that? <laughs> I had just quit my job. I remember I did a whole video about it. And then literally the month later, we found out we were pregnant with Zion. And every also did a move of faith because he was at the seminary at Andrews and felt called to move to Maryland to continue his studies. And we packed up and we moved. And um, we had talked about having, because we already had Eden. She was about 11 months when I found out I was pregnant with Zion. And me and my sister are really close in age. So I thought it was, you know, amazing. We had no trouble getting pregnancy, um, getting pregnant. <laughs> um, and we were excited um, and I really did not expect anything to go wrong. We had no no trouble at all from the conception throughout the whole pregnancy. Um, and after we moved to Maryland, I remember going to a midwife um, and she took the vitals. She said everything was fine. She asked me about you know my lifestyle routine. I told her I was exercising. Um, I was, you know, doing all the things, right? Like eating healthy, exercising, you know, (laughs) all the things. And she was like, wow, this is like the perfect pregnancy. Mm. That's Wednesday. Friday morning, I wake up. And when I tell you, I remember that when I was pregnant, it was during the World Series. Like the, um, Mm. yeah, like the World Cup. Is that what it's called? The World Cup, Mm -hmm. the soccer game. Soccer, okay. Yeah, and she was... She was as I always heard people tell me that those are the most exciting games in the world, that they're the most energetic. And I'm like, this is a World Cup baby because she did not stop moving. Right. Like it was just like waves in my stomach, always kicking, always moving. She was so excited, you know. And um, this one morning I woke up and she wasn't moving. Hmm. And I was just like, OK, that's weird. You know, I start poking her. Right. How Avery, I was like, well, call the midwife. I call my midwife. They're like, well, drink something, lay down, like, see if you can feel her. And, you know, if you don't, um, then come in. Mm-hmm. So I ate something. Um, I drank something. <laughs> um, I laid down on my side and nothing. And I was telling Avery, like, she's not moving, which is so weird. You know, like, that's mm-hmm. it's not like her. Right. And Abby was like, well, if something's wrong, we're just going to go straight to the hospital. It doesn't make sense to go to the midwife and then they're going to send us to the hospital anyway. She's like, go straight there. So we go to the hospital and 
they do an ultrasound. And I remember I turned and I look at the ultrasound and I just saw her like floating in my sack. You know, like it just, she wasn't moving. And I, at that moment I knew, and I just turned away and I wasn't looking. Um, Mm. And I remember I asked, Avery asked the tech, you asked the tech. I was like, Avery asked, he said, is something wrong? And she was just like, um, uh, uh, we're gonna get the doctor. Wow. You know, and then the doctor comes in and she comes in and she's just like, I'm so sorry. And we immediately start crying. And in Maryland, we didn't have, we brought Eden with us because we didn't have, we did have family in the area, but we thought it was just going to be, you know, a quick doctor's check. They're going to tell us everything and go home. Um, But that was not the case. And we started crying. And I remember um, Eden was like, yeah, 11, no, she was a little bit older than, she was a little bit over a year at that point. At that point, yeah. And she was just like rubbing us and taking tissues and wiping our eyes, um, hugging us. She didn't really understand what was going on, but you know, like her, her little heart was, you know, was there for us. She could see, she could feel that something was off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, the doctor told us, you know, you're going to have to deliver the baby. We're going to have to induce you. Can you come Mm -hmm. in tomorrow? And the whole thing was just, like, I don't know how to describe the feeling. Like, you feel like, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. It's just, it's so painful, you know? Like, it's, it's disbelief, especially from going from the fact that the doctor a few days before had said everything was perfect to, to now, sorry, uh, you know, your baby's, she died. Mm-hmm. Um, so we came back on Friday. Um, and I called my mom up. My mom and my sister came up to stay with Eden while we went through the process and um, we delivered her, was it? They induced me and we delivered her Friday morning? Sabbath Sabbath morning? morning. Yeah. We delivered her Sabbath morning. Um, She was beautiful. (laughs) She was beautiful. Um, Sorry, am I? That's okay. Yeah, she was beautiful. She was um, 21 inches long. She was She's gonna be tall. (laughs) Yeah, she was four pounds. Yeah, definitely. She's gonna be tall. Um, But it was just a really painful experience, um, especially having to deliver her. And I remember holding her and um, praying over her, Mm. asking God for a miracle, (laughs) you know? Um, And there were a lot of people, I think, in those moments who really were the hands of God for us. Mm. Um, Our nurses were amazing. Yeah, the whole staff. Yeah, they were very caring and um, they were crying with us. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, they were there for us. So um, to all the nurses out there, thank you guys for what you do. Um, And a quick note about that is um, they didn't know us. This wasn't the staff that was supposed to birth our baby Mm -hmm. either. So they had no history of who we were. Um, They had no idea who we were Mm -hmm. and they were so supportive and so caring and, you know, so intentional about how they interacted with us. And, um, you know, I'm truly grateful to, to that staff, even to this day, you know, because they didn't have to be that caring, you know, they didn't have to show any type of support. And a a funny thing is they, the day that we had found out, they had kind of just taken Eden and like take it, took care of her while we were 
Wow. In that moment. And mm. they were so amazed at how cheerful and how loving Eden was. Mm. And, you know, that just left an impression on them. So, you know, to, to those who are in the medical field, you know, I, I tip my hat off to you guys because, yeah. you know, there are a lot of things that you don't have to do, but you do it anyway because yeah. you care for people. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. I'll definitely say that like a lot of people would show up and just like um, I've heard this before, but I really appreciate the people who didn't really ask us what we needed, but just called and said, hey, I'm I'm stopping at um, Chipotle. What you guys want? You know, like I remember my, um, my cousin-in-law, Jill, was like such a ride or die. She bought some like mango nectar because I couldn't really eat anything. Um, she bought me some mango nectar to drink. And it was just, I don't know, it was amazing. <laughs> Um, to this day, mango nectar has a special place in my heart. Um, it's those small things. It I, is I th- small things. Yeah. yeah. I think sometimes people get caught up with, you know, they need to f- do something big. And if they can't do something big, they feel like they can't help. But it's something as small as just getting you something to drink that mm-hmm. really, um, that just speaks volumes. Yeah. 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 God sent angels in human form. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You see the hands of God, even in terrible times and i think that's kind of what like one of the the beauty in 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 such a dark moment is seeing god through other people um and then we d- we didn't have any money <laughs> to bury her so we did a gofundme and we made more than enough to bury her um which was another blessing cuz you know like you know we had to have a funeral you yeah. know she had to be funeralized yeah. um and that was something else that we were grateful for. Um, and then afterwards, you know, that's when the darkness really sets in. Mm. It's not really, in the moment, it's still kind of, you know, you're going through it and it's just a shock. You can't believe what happened, you know, what happened, like what, what went wrong. And I feel like afterwards, you know, um, the darkness really sets in. Um, and I just remember feeling super depressed. Mm. I remember feeling super depressed um, and just mad at God. Um, and I remember in my prayers, I would, I would just, I don't know, I would, <laughs> I was so angry um, and it was really difficult. I mean, then we had to deal with, you know, people. <laughs> yeah, so, so, being in a, a situation like that um, really causes you to view relationships differently. Um, and to kind of break it down, you know, you have individuals who are there at the high points or the high moments, whether it's good or bad. Yeah. And they're there, you know, they're very supportive. But however, <laughs> after the moment has past and, you know, you're still dealing with those issues, you know, those people move on as if nothing happened. They, it's almost as if they forget. And some people say, uh, say insensitive things, not remembering that they were there in the room with us when we were grieving. And that was one of the toughest things. And I know for, for both of us, we were uh, in a situation of being broken, like we were broken individuals and it was hard for us to cope and to understand uh, healthy friendships in, in, in that environment. And, you know, we took <laughs> anything that happened or anything that we were a part of, 
we kind of looked it under the microscope, like, man, you know, these people, you know, they don't know what we're going through. And, and there's all these uh, negative uh, thoughts that we had towards people who they probably didn't even realize that we were going through those emotions. But those are all the things that we were feeling. And, you know, we we took it to heart a lot of the things that people said, right. um, and especially for people who didn't know, you know, because we had Eden and, you know, they would say things like, oh, when are you going to have your, your, your next kid? Or, you know, when, you know, when are you going to have another child? Not knowing that we had experienced something so traumatic yeah. uh, in that process. And another thing that was hard for me was at that time I was on the path to trying to be a minister mm-hmm. and my first, well, not my first, but my first experience of a funeral was for my own child. Oh, wow. And, you know, that was, that was something that was extremely difficult, you know? And, and I, I asked God, you know, like, why, why is this my, you know, experience in true pastoral ministry? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had to I had to study my way back into a relationship with God because wow. it was so difficult, you know, and having those thoughts and those emotions and and and, and seeing other people happy about pastoral ministry. And, and I'm seeing the negative side of it, you know, all of the yeah. things that uh, all those feelings of grief and 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 and, and pain. And I'm not happy about it. I'm not happy that I had to do something because of my title. Mm. So just imagine I'm I'm studying and thinking I got to do this again for somebody else, and those pain and, and the pain and all those feelings come up again. So it, it was it was tough for the both of us to deal with people who I, I don't want to say they were insensitive because they they didn't really right, know, right. but for the ones who did, it really was painful to experience those comments. Um, you know, and, and we, we, we laugh about it when they'd ask us, but really it was really painful on the inside. So, you know, and, and even to this day where people ask us like, you know, oh, when are you going to have another son so you can even it out? And we're kind of like, well, no, we are, you know, we're, we're kind of done, you know, and they can't accept it. And they're going back and forth with us. And it's like, man, if you only knew, if you only knew, um, but it's easier to deal with now because of the healing that we've been able to, to, yeah. to go through and having those talks with each other, having our own talks with God personally and, and, and together that we're able to be in a healthier space where we're able to have these conversations, where we're able to share and um, kind of pass, pass those comments by and just kind of laugh to ourselves like, man, if they only knew, you know, if yeah. they only and I would say, um, in regards to the darkness that came over me, it was I. I remember there was one time that I was, and this is where I say like things got really, really spiritual for me. Um, I there was one time I just got angry and like blacked out in anger, and then I remember I was standing in front of the mirror with my hand full of pills. Wow. And I don't wow. remember. I don't remember how I got there. I don't remember pouring out the pills in my hand. And I was just like, whoa. And then I remember Avery saw me and he flushed everything down the toilet. Mm. Um, and I think Leilani had called you and I was just crying. And I was just like, I don't know. It's like this. I, I don't know if this is postpartum okay, yeah. depression. 
Um, and that's the thing, like you, after delivering a baby, your body thinks that you have a child. Right. So you start going through all the symptoms. Your breast starts producing milk. Um, you know, your hair starts, you get that postpartum shedding and you get all these symptoms, but there's no baby. And it's just, it's so painful because you don't know what to do about it, you know? And man, that was so bad. But I remember, um, when I called you, Leilani, and I was like, didn't know what to do. I was just crying. I was grieving. And I was like, I think I have postpartum depression, you know, uh, I need to talk to a therapist. And I remember you stopped and you were like, let's pray. Mm -hmm. You prayed. And it was like the darkness left. Mm. And um, I think in talking to God about this whole situation, um, I think that's when the healing really started. Um, Then you connected me with Gianna Snell, who had also had multiple loss um, of children. And she, I don't even remember her saying much. I remember just talking and telling her my story. And that really also helped me heal um, heal even more, just being able to share and kind of like what you're doing here, having a platform for people to yeah. tell their stories. There's something so healing about it, about talking about um, prayer. And I remember I started to to talk to God. And um, one of the things that, and this is, this is going to be controversial, but I remember that I was dropping F-bombs in my prayer. Legit cursing, upset, angry. Right. Um, and I remember like apologizing, like, oh, okay, you know, because you're taught you got to be, you know, right. that, like you that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember the Holy Spirit saying, just talk to me. I can wow. handle your curses. I can handle it. I'm not going to dissolve or turn it, you know, I'm not going to strike you with lightning. I can handle everything that you have just come to me and be real with me about the way you're feeling and i think that's really what helped me to find healing is that having those really real conversations with god about i don't feel like talking to you i don't feel like worshiping you i don't like you um that whole like just complete being completely transparent how could you be a good god and do this how could you let this happen there's so many people who don't even want their kids (laughs) that are having babies you know um and just having those real conversations with god um i also think that not isolating myself when i was broken talking to friends calling them um i had a friend that whenever avery would go um, play basketball, she would just come over and just hang out with me. So I just mm-hmm. so I wouldn't be alone. Um, and would literally just be there. We wouldn't talk about anything. We were just, I mean, just hanging out. And so Abby came home and she had like a full-time job and a kid. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, I, I'm so, it's crazy because, you know, I had the privilege of being there with alongside part of your journey all of Mm -hmm. that journey with you guys um and i mean i remember the exact place we were in toronto when i got when you you called us you called us and you guys were in the hospital to tell us and i remember just crying i i just couldn't i couldn't like compute it like my brain couldn't like just a couple days ago like you said right everything was fine you know and it's just all of a sudden um things changed. Um, and Crystal, 
and Avery, I appreciate you guys so much for sharing the reality of what we experience in dark times because so many people are afraid to be honest about the fact that you question God. Like, you get upset. You get upset. And, you know, absolutely, Sarah, you know, we think God is intimidated by our F-bombs, but his shoulders are strong enough. And here's what people forget is that, you know, you can't hide it from God, right? We think, yeah. we think that yeah. we're by 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 not not praying what we really feel that we're hiding it from God. But he knows he knows the things we haven't even thought of, you know. Mm-hmm. And so your ability to recognize first and foremost, because I want to I want to and I'll, and I'll let you finish. But I want to I don't want to dismiss the fact that you started this by saying uh, you started by praying about faith. Mm-hmm. And when you called me that day and you were like. I don't know. I don't want to live. Right. It was like, this is spiritual. This is so much more than yes. The grief is real. Yes. The darkness is real. Yes. That those feelings of not wanting to live are real, but this is also spiritual warfare and it has to be, you have to defeat it with both, right? You have to, you have to build community. You have to get it out. You have to talk to someone. You have to develop coping uh, mechanisms and, and tools but 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 you need God, right? Yeah. And your yeah. your ability to kind of be honest and real with God is crazy because it was the expose you needed to expose yourself to him in order for him to start to heal you. And and man, so many of us stay stuck in our mess because we're afraid to expose ourselves. We're afraid for people either to see us in that way or to even hear us say what we think, you know? So anyway, sorry, yeah. I didn't want to, man. Yeah, no, it's true. And that's one thing that I already, that I already, um, that I'm grateful for that God can handle, God can handle the, the dirtiest, darkest parts of us, you know, like yes. we don't got to filter things for God, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember the other thing was that connection led to the next part of healing for me, which is when the Holy Spirit kept telling me to call a friend, Kathleen. And, you know, I didn't want to because I'm like, God, what, what Kathleen got to say to me, Jesus? <laughs> like, what? Listen, don't you know, ask that question. You know Kathleen? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what does she got to say to me? And I remember I had, Avery had gone away to pick up something in a car in Michigan. And yeah. I had decided to to go to my sister. And I was driving on the highway and um, Kathleen called me, right? Because I can't, get, I ain't got nowhere to go. I'm driving. <laughs> Right. We start talking and I'm telling her, like, I felt like the Holy Spirit was trying to, you know, tell me to to call you. And she's like, oh, I don't know why. I'm sorry. I don't really have anything. And I'm just like, oh, that sounds like God. Right. Like, right. God, you're going to lead me yeah. to this. Bed, and here we go again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then we start talking and she starts telling me this story about this experience she had. I don't remember all the details. Kathleen, if you're on the chat, you can add it in. Um, but pretty much she had like this spiritual experience where her mom started praying over her and her neck started getting hot. And it was just like really crazy. And I will never forget. It was almost as if like time was suspended and God mm. had taken me to another realm. Cause in that moment it clicked. This is spiritual. This is spiritual. And it was like, God had said to me, like Chris, I did not, I did not take your daughter from you. Mm. He's like, I did not kill her. Um, I allowed this to happen so that you can see how much the enemy hates you and how far he's willing to go to destroy you. Wow. 
And he, I mean, and in that moment, sorry, in that moment, I felt so much, I felt so much love. I can't even explain it. And he was like, you will see her again. He's like, I promise you, you will see her again. And he was like, but I need you to know how serious this is. This is not a game. This is life and death. This is not a game. And he was like, but but you will see her again. And I think that was another experience that I had that really helped in the healing process. Um, In the healing process for me, just, you know, answering those questions. Um, A lot of times, you know, we think that, like, I remember this this sermon that Avery preached about um, knowing who your real enemy is. And he used the analogy of the story from... The story to kill him. What is it? The mocking. <laughs> I can't remember the name of the movie. It's uh, Hunger Games. Hunger Games. Hunger Games. Yeah. And um, in the second or third, I don't remember which movie it What's is. The third one. A third movie. Um, they're they're causing the the upri- uprising, and they have a plan. She's back in the games, and she's about to shoot another contestant. And the person shouts at her, "Remember who the real enemy is," and she, she shoots the dome and the dome goes down. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, you know, especially in this climate, we're, we're willing to pick fights and, you know, we think the police are the enemies and racists are enemies and Trump is the enemy. But God's like, no, like, that's not the enemy. Yes. The devil is the enemy. And this is all spiritual. Yes. You know, and um, I think a lot of times we lose sight of that. And that was kind of like a, a moment that God kind of brought everything in perspective. And it really grounds me to this day to remember like, you know, what our purpose is on earth um, and what we need to do. So that was. Hmm? And and also it, it was also heavy because in that moment we were probably at our lowest point mm-hmm. or one of our lowest points financially, uh, you know, even cause I was in school so that was another thing. I started to do my studies through all of this. And it was it was just a lot. So it was almost as if the devil was like, you know, well, this is they're really low right now. Let me just tip them over the edge. Wow. And I had suffered with, you know, depression and suicide and all that suicidal thoughts. So it would have been easy for me to have slipped back into that. Wow. And you know, through that whole experience, you know, I, I, I truly appreciate those who prayed for us. You know, my parents, uh, you know, my family, uh, Crystal's family, because, you know, if it wasn't for the support, you know, both of us might not have been sitting here right now, to be honest with you. Nice. So I, I, I think that, you know, we, we truly have to understand the, the lullaby that the devil sings to us. You know, we... We have these experiences. We lose somebody. Uh, we have a traumatic experience where we realize, oh, we need to get back to God. Yeah. And we're good for like three, four weeks, a month, six months. But then we slowly slip back to our old habits and our old uh, way of thinking. And and if anything that anybody's out there listening to, and I know this is pastor speaking now, but no, understand that the devil wants for us to be the same. He doesn't want us to change. He doesn't want us to alter our our behaviors. He doesn't want us to succeed. So in those moments where you realize, where you have that light bulb moment, when you have that thought, like, 
you know, this the life that I'm living right now is not right. It's not pleasing to God. Stay on track with that thought. Don't let it be diminished. Don't let people around you who are comfortable with the way that they're living influence your life. Because at the ending of the day, it's us and God. It's not going to be us and our friends and our posse and our homies that are going to be next to us. Right. It's going to be us and God. So we have to realize the seriousness in that moment that you feel, the, the pain that you feel. And you're like, God, I need to see my loved ones again. I need to see this person again. Hold on to that. Yeah. Don't let it go. Let it be the driving force so that you can, you know, that hope that we have, the hope that we talk about, it's not something that's fake. It's real. It's real. So hold on to it yeah. and work towards that. Because if you don't, who knows where you might end up? So, yeah. well, definitely in bondage. The imagery you used, Avery, is so. It's so powerful because like I didn't even, you know, the 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 thought lullaby hit me and then she verbalized it, right? It's a lullaby is used to be put to sleep. And um it's almost like that's what the enemy like you said, right? It's what the enemy uses to keep us in a state of bondage instead of freedom where we are already we are already promised freedom in Christ. Right. You know, yeah. but we allow ourselves to stay in bondage. Yeah. And I was going to say God's mercy is so good because when I think about it, we lost Zion on August 31st mm-hmm. and I had Matea on September 3rd, which is only three days after that. Mm-hmm. And I had wow. Judah on July 28th, which is right before that. So wow. it's like my new children are kind of like sandwiched in between <laughs> this great grief. Um, and now for August 31st, we, we have this thing that we call family day and on her, the day that, you know, she, we gave birth to her, we do something together as a family, movie night, we tell each other how much we love us. And it's kind of, it's more of a celebration. Um, mm, and the kids look forward to it. Yeah. They love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, family day. <laughs> I love, I love that you do that because I think there's this misconception that, you know, when we lose a loved one that it's not okay to honor, honor that memory or mm-hmm. honor that experience. Um, but I think it's so powerful that you guys are able to not only do that for your own selves, right, to continue to heal, but also um, for your children, for your children. Like the fact that they are able to take witness of, they, they'll never know, they'll never be able to remember or know how it was. But uh-huh. they can they can see where God has brought you, right? And it's something that you'll continue to be able to share with them as they get older, right? And as they grow, it'll forever be a part of uh, kind of you know an experience how where God how God brought you through some one of the most difficult times in your life. So you know we could be on here forever uh, just delving into some of these uh, the things that you experienced, but I just want to to highlight. Um, that even in the darkest moments, there was you guys experienced hope um, by being able to to bring yourselves before Christ as you were with the support of others and being able to kind of share your story and be open about that allowed for some of this healing to take place. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about um, what kind of for the first time that you ever shared from a place of healing, I'll say, right? Um, mm-hmm. What kind of things did you have to overcome? Part of this experience is to help others say, well, I, I'm, I want to share my story, but I'm scared or I'm nervous about how people are going to react. You know, how did you guys overcome that? What, you know, what kind of things did you have to navigate? And I'll put the question here. Um, well, I know for me uh, personally, 
my it's that being completely transparent and you know being being her husband and being the man in in, in this marriage you know you have you have two things that go through your mind the first thing is you know as a man you're solution based you're trying to solve a problem you're trying to you know help help your 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 mate but you're not able to help them because this is something that they've experienced and because it was in a pregnancy because the child was in her it's a whole entirely different experience for me and it's hard to to say you know hey well you need to express this feeling and this emotion when i don't know half of what she was going through i mean she woke up every day with zion you know moving inside of her she was having those experiences whenever she ate the kicks the everything i didn't have any of that yeah it was completely external of myself so i didn't know her as much as crystal did so there's a lot of uh of feelings of you know i, I don't want to say resentment but it was kind of resentment because i didn't have as strong as a feeling as she did right. but i was still experiencing it because right. i was a part of it part of Absolutely. her so getting past those feelings uh and understanding that my feelings were still valid yes. even though it wasn't my experience was something that took a lot of time for me to understand yeah um and i know that for a lot of men you know we we're taught to not be emotional we're taught to not show our feelings or wear it on our sleeves but in this moment you know i realized that that's something definitely that you have to explore yeah. if you want to be healed anyway yeah. i know some guys you know they don't care to to get to that place but if you want to be a better husband to be a better spouse you have to explore those those feelings so it, it took a lot of uh, journaling uh, i love to i'm an avid journaler so i love to write um so it it took a lot of you know writing and a lot of uh, self reflection yeah. to to even understand why i felt the way that i felt yeah. and why it was so difficult to even open up and even open up to Crystal because we we both grieve differently, um, and that was even difficult um, in our marriage as well. So it, it took a lot to to get to that place to even share. Yeah, I would say that. And speaking of grieving differently, um, like sometimes he didn't have anything to give me. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you're going to someone who. Yeah. You know, you want you you expect your husband to be your support and help you yes. out, but he had nothing to give me, and I was just a ball of emotions, and <laughs> and he's just like stone cold, mm. and it would just make me feel worse. And it's like, but I can't be mad at him because he's feeling his own grief. Yes, you know. Um, but I don't. I know that. I know that I had to tell my story. Uh, because I knew that there was freedom in it, if that makes sense. Like there's yeah. freedom in in sharing what God has done. The Bible says we were overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Yes. And um, I think it was just something that not looking at, it was, I didn't do it for anyone else but me. That may seem selfish, but I wasn't concerned about what people were going to say. It was like, this is something that I have to, like my pregnancy wasn't a secret, right. you know, I didn't want people to come up to me afterwards and be like, oh, what happened to the baby and go through all of that. So I'm like, let me just, you know, let me share what happened. Let me talk about, um, you know, 
where God has brought me from. Um, and of course, you, you're nervous at first. You're scared about what people are gonna say. And um, after you share, you feel completely empty. Like, you know, like you feel naked, like, yes. okay, expose myself, but. Yeah. Um, like, what did, what did I just do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also felt like it, it had to be done because I had to um, kind of like closure, you know, like no secrets. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to hide. It was I wasn't ashamed. And also, I realized that so many people don't tell this story. There's not. It happens so often. So often. There's so many women who lose children, and I feel like as women, we feel like. Um, it's shameful yeah. as if there's something that we did right. wrong or yes. that we're not good enough and we're not strong enough yep. and, you know, we're not made or, to be a mother. Yeah, or I wasn't far along enough, right? Yeah. I mean, it's actually, the statistics are actually one in three. One in three oh. women will experience a miscarriage or the loss of a child while pregnant, in, you know, in their lifetime. One in three. Yeah. And so many people uh, go without sharing their experience because they, like you said, right? They feel like they, they're shame. My, um, you feel like your body let you down. Like, it, like yeah. I'm, I'm not good enough, right? Mm-hmm. And there was something that God had said to me in one of my prayer moments as well, which I think was really powerful. And um, I prayed, I was like, God, why did you even make her? Wow. Like, if you knew I was gonna lose her, why even right. allow me to get pregnant? And God said something to me for the fact of you're looking at this temporary earth. He was like, I made her for eternity. Mm. Like I loved her so much that I had to create her so that that's what she could exist in this earth. But when I come again, I want her to be there. And that was just so powerful for me because at the end of the day, even if your child was two weeks old, God knew them before he formed them and he made them for eternity. That is so freeing for someone to hear and so healing. I mean, how much does that not show God's love? Right. right? For yeah. You, for her, mm-hmm. for your family. Ooh, my goodness. What has sharing your guys' story, what it has inspired you to do? Well, I know for me, it's in that moment with God on the, when I was in the car and God kind of told me like, this is, this is the enemy who did this. Right. For me, it's like, okay, it, it really helped me refocus. Like, okay, mm-hmm. Satan, I'm coming for your kingdom. <laughs> like legit, God, yeah. whatever talents and gifts you give me to do and however you tell me to use that, I'm, I'm not gonna lose focus of who the real enemy is and what my, what my goal is to getting into the kingdom and taking as many people with me as I can. <laughs> yeah. Determined, like. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, for me, sharing the, sharing my story has inspired me to be, you know, more, more transparent, mm. um, especially in my spirituality. Um, I think that for a lot of people, you know, we, our spirituality is personal. But because we all are affected by sin, we all go through the same problems, the same things, and we don't share it, we don't realize that there's other people that are next to us that are experiencing the same pain or the same story yeah. or similar stories, I should yeah. say. So, you know, I'm, I'm more intentional um, and definitely more honest with myself with 
where I'm at spiritually with God. You know, they're, they're, I call them spiritual check-ins where, you know, mm. you got to make sure you take that time to you ask God, like, hey, where, where am I right now? Where are we? Are we on good terms? Are we on bad terms? What do I need to get back to that place where, you know, we're walking together as opposed to walking behind you? Mm. Um, so there are a lot of things that, that came out of the story. Uh, you know, I was able to go on to, to, to be a pastor and to be able to share our story uh, to our congregation, and and that opened up a a, a well of uh, of of people who, you know, they didn't know that other people experienced the same thing and and those emotions and those thoughts. So, sharing your story is more, as, as she said, it was for her, but it's also just as much for other people who are out there who who then realize that hey, I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. I'm really not alone. So you can now take those steps and and get get that healing so that you can share your story with others so that you can help someone else you know at the end of the day that is that is what it's about right it's about allowing your story to free sharing your story allows you to free yourself and allows god to heal it so that then you can help transform others and you guys have done just that right before um we can i say something i just want to say that even though we share a story and your story may be similar there are certain people that have been assigned to your voice Mm. and until you start telling your story they will not get the healing that they're getting because you refuse to speak so don't think that because we talk about loss that we have the whole territory covered. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yep. Speak up. Yeah. Share your so, story. <laughs> can you say that again, please? Pastor, <laughs> pastoress. Can you say that again? Uh, I know, right? It's that there there are people that are assigned to your voice. Yes. So you to share your story. Absolutely. Absolutely. I honestly just want to thank you for your transparency and your authenticity and your genuine spirit. I think that um, everyone who's hearing and not not just everyone who was here tonight who have heard, um, but those who are going to hear are going to be able to uh, move forward in healing because of your story, because of how God uh, helped you, because of how you were able to be real and honest um, with your experience. And so thank you so much for being so brave and courageous with us tonight and for and for it being OK to not be OK. Um, mm-hmm. We appreciate you. And I know that God is going to continue to allow your ministry to grow um, because because you've committed yourself to him and you've allowed him to take to take the lead in your life. So thank you again so much, Crystal and Avery. Um, God was present. God was here. And I know that he'll continue to heal you as you go through your experiences. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you for next week's episode. If you were inspired by today's story, make sure to follow, rate, and review this podcast. To watch the full live show, head over to Leilani Langdon on YouTube and don't forget to subscribe. And remember, purpose is found in knowing, owning, and sharing your story. So the question is, are you ready to share yours?